Hey there. My name's Adam. I'm one of the radio producers at Triple R here in Melbourne, Australia. Before you dive into this week's podcast, I just wanted to let you know that it's Radiothon time here at the station. What's Radiothon? It's our annual subscription and donation drive. It's the most important time in the Triple R calendar. Triple R is a fully independent, listener-supported broadcaster. All the programs and podcasts that you hear on the station only exist because of you, the listener, providing the financial support for us to do what we do best. If you like what you hear from Triple R's programs and presenters, now is the perfect time to donate or take out an annual subscription with the station. Anyone who subscribes to Triple R from Friday, August 25 to Wednesday, October 4, 2023, will go in the chance to win one of hundreds of major and specialty prizes. There's things out there for everyone. Uh, there's big major prizes if you live in Victoria. There are prizes for pets. If you want to subscribe a cat or a dog to the station, people do. Um, if you want to find out more about subscribing and hear about all the great prizes, you can head to rrr.org.au forward slash Radiothon. I'll leave you now to enjoy a very special Radiothon edition of this week's podcast. Triple R's regular programming will return on September 4. See you later. Triple R. Urban planning professor Dave Nichols has been coming on this here program and educating us on bits of Melbourne that often go unspoken uh, for about, I don't know, 10 or 14 years, something like that. And in preparation, he sometimes even does stealth visits to suburbs and sites to collect on-the-ground information to bring the kind of colour that you'd expect from Triple R. But his involvement goes way back further than this show and it's educational, Dave. Um, and That's I, the theme this I'm, year. Yeah, I know, I know that. And um, <laughs> I'm really, um, yes, Kalia, I think that's that's great. Great theme, great idea. Things should be educational. The more educational, the better. And uh, how did you get involved with community radio again, Dave? Uh, that's a great question. I was uh, a teenager in living in the... Um, uh, middle Ring suburbs of Melbourne, and uh, I just got very heavily, actually got very heavily into music, but I just wanted to be involved on all fronts, and um, broadcasting was one that really uh, appealed to me greatly. So I became a volunteer at Triple R. I was probably about 15 or 16, I can't quite remember. The, around the time of the, um, the station's, I think, first real financial crisis... So I do recall in in 1980 there was an announcement put out on Triple R. All volunteers should call the station. I called the station, and some guy I don't know who it was said, "It's all over. The station's closing down." Wow. Yeah. So they put an announcement on on educational. the station what? for the volunteers, the volunteers to the station. Because how else do you do it? I, how I else guess you, you would. In touch with I guess oh, exactly. you would have done a phone tree. Because I, I remember yeah, no. when my my mm. parents used to do some organising, and they would. Do a phone tree, so yeah. I'd ring you, you'd ring Dylan, Dylan would ring. And no, <laughs> more than yeah, more than one person <laughs> ring one person. But if you had a radio station, you just broadcast five it people each. and, and yeah. say, "Call us." That's right. That's what happened. And yeah. so you answered and, the call and, and came misinformation to... came. Sorry, you sorry, answered Dylan. the call and came to the rescue of Triple R in a time of need. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we're we're Triple R and me. We're both still here. So <laughs> do your own. Do you... Reach your own conclusion. Yeah. I, I love that um, you do research for this show and for this segment. We and do, you've yeah. done that once again today. You've gone through the archives and dug up some bits and pieces of those kind of early years of Triple R's history. Now, it's interesting that, that you say, you know, there was a, a sort of financial crisis in the early 1980s because in these articles, there's, mm. again, they're talking about mm. the future, the station's future really, you know, being under question. Oh, that's right. And that's, so that's 40 five years ago, right? Mm. It's 1978. Yes, I, and I, I qualified the financial thing because I don't think this wasn't 
in the in 1978, it wasn't a financial crisis. It was that um, when the station before the station became Triple R, it was three RMT FM, so it was heavily tied to RMIT, and uh, it uh, it kind of um, RMIT's board was apparently very uncomfortable with being associated with you know a radio station. I I don't really know the reason why. That's not explained. But they were sort of humming and hawing about whether they would continue to fund it. And what seems to have taken place within the a year or so after that, I should go back to the official history of Triple R and 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 look this up. So I don't I don't entirely remember what happened. But it um, it was sort of Triple R was allowed to continue, but I don't think RMIT you know had to find other sort of support. Uh, and I guess things like this, things like uh, the Radiothon, things like reaching out to the to the wider community for financial support was, was a part of that. And it gave Triple R, as it became, its own sort of independence from one particular institution. Yeah, and I mean, we, we still take the Triple R news, so somehow all of that got mended over the years as well, like the independence, but then the connection is still there with the educational institutions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Mm. Um, There were some pretty funny articles that you shared with us. One of them was by Helen Thomas, an article in The Age. And, look, I just couldn't stop laughing. It was a very well-written article, but there was uh, one little uh, (laughs) anecdote that she put in there saying some of the broadcasters don't even turn up on time and you tune in and it's just fuzz. (laughs) And then when they turn up, you can't sort of turn off. And uh, there's one line that that did make me laugh is, and when they did turn on, normally it's new wave and one's musical instincts usually insist on hating it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Common, common uh, feeling at the time. Well, Helen, of course, I mean, she was writing for The Age at that time. I think she was filling in for the regular, um, you know, media reviewer. But she was a, or became, I guess, soon after a very uh, strong element of the station for quite some time in the in the early 80s. And... Um, so I guess she, you know, she was a, a little like me in a way. She became so enthusiastic that she she had to get involved. Can I just say as well, looking at, at reading some of those articles, it struck me how there's something about what the station was doing then that seems to have continued through to the present day. I mean, there's an article about Triple R's role in um, in kind of, you know, film culture in Melbourne and they were presenting um, sort of films and having Q&As afterwards and, of course, you know, coming just out of MIF, um, Primal Screen, and there's a really kind of nice relationship yeah, that's been cultivated yeah. over the years. And then there's the music connection and, and the education as well. There's something unique that it feels like the station has, has retained in, in its identity. I mean, I absolutely think that's right. And I think, you know, even though you would not have guessed it, uh, looking at that RM- RMT stuff or listening to the station, I'm sure in the in the late 70s, it has really Triple R has really become embedded in the in the culture of Melbourne. In a, you know, just it's taken that role and it um, it was obviously embraced really really early on uh, by by a lot of people, um, some influential people and some everyday people, and it's just become part of their everyday lives. And they and they look to it in all kinds of ways for you know analysis and 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 information about what's going on and so on it's um it has really become a part of uh, the city in a very strongly and it you know clearly you know that was an interesting ad that was being that was placed that was where there was screenings of films and there were shows about the films and they were to my mind really interesting films mm. the getting of wisdom peterson which was a um actually it hasn't really stood the test of time that movie but uh, a really really interesting <laughs> film a tim burstall film um and uh, Don's party, so you know they were looking at Australian film in the uh, of the of the 70s, but not necessarily going down the you know the standard path. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a, that was a seemed like a, a really fascinating. I'm guessing dipping their toe in the water early on in that kind of approach to to uh, exploration of culture, and and it also has a community angle as well because it was kind of you know hear about it on the radio, you know hear the discussion of the things on the radio, then go and see the film, and presumably there's discussion as well in that in that forum. Yeah, amazing. You've got some names there, Dave, that you could read out these are the people that are subscribing this morning these are the wonderful people Kalia, who, oh, are su- who are subscribing <laughs> thank you this is why we get you in to accurately represent That's what's right. going on today. Yes, yes. um yeah uh juliet of thornbury is um is subscribing to breakfasters should I, you know, I say who, who she's mm, who yeah, they sure. are up yeah um ross from blackburn uh is subscribing to the station and David and Gim from Sale are subscribing to Off the Record. So that's great. Absolutely. Great to have a subscriber from Sale as well. I know, too. Down there. Two. Coast. Two. That's right. Um, got Jen from Kensington subscribing to Vital Bits. Kim from Danga Island, New South Wales. I don't oh. know where that is. I do. To the whole station. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit north of Sydney proper, but it's still sort of within. You could commute to Sydney. From it, there. And there's a bridge to the island. I'm pretty sure there is a bridge, yeah. Okay. yeah. Excellent. Um, Emma Russick, subscribing to Breaking and Entering. Ooh. <laughs> but she'll be playing she'll live. She'll be on our show, though. So um, we'll have words when she gets here. No, yeah. <laughs> Breaking no, and Entering. You should. Yeah. <laughs> amazing Take show. Take task. Absolutely. Um, amazing show on Thursdays. And great to have the, the, the crew back, um, Simon and Lauren, at the helm at that show. Paul uh, from Dandenong, subscribing to the whole station. William from Pakenham, renewing to Far and Wide. Stephen from Mornington, renewing to Einstein Gogo, and Gus from Glenroy, renewing to Teenage Hate. And, you know, another comment from the articles that you shared with us, Dave, and, and maybe we can sh- share them on, on social media or something because they're just so fun. Uh, are, they from, are they from Trove? Is that where you got them? Uh, they're from The Age. So The yeah. Age doesn't appear on Trove oh, um, after a certain that. time. Oh. Yeah, so uh, I've got another... Source. Another digitised newspaper source, mm. yeah. um, But there is a comment from, from one of the people writing a letter in to appeal for Triple R, as it, whatever it was called then, mm. to stay on air. And people yeah. were horrified that, you know, in the mix of the day's news, the main letter writers were Triple R mm. subscribers. But people were saying, look, it's a station that presents rock music in an intelligent fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and, yeah. You know, you look at those, I mean, you know, it, it, it shows to me the, in, the, in 1978, I remember one of those letters was from, from Stephen Charlesworth who went on to be the keyboard player and I'm talking. So there's, there's people as kind of celebs. There's another one, I can't remember who it was, but there's another s- sort of, you know, celeb is probably going too far, but notable people, uh, you know, I mean, all due respect, Stephen Charlesworth, but um, there's um, notable people who are kind of, you know, st- um, drawing a line in the sand about their support for... Uh, for the station and, and, and making an articulate claim. There's another person who says, um, you know, music radio should be left to uh, commercial broadcasters who do it properly. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I must have skipped over that one. <laughs> I went looking for that person point. to see if, see if they ever wrote, it, wrote a letter to the paper again, but uh, no, they did not. <laughs> they, they said their piece, they got out. They do you know. it properly. Yeah. What's your sense of the role of radio as a kind of educational in those times? Because in, in these articles they talk about how there's, you know, there's presenters talking about music in an intelligent way on air, but there also seems to be a bit of a um, kind of a, a difference between the educational content maybe produced out mm. of RMIT or, or what mm. was it actually being used for at that time, do you know? Yeah, look, that's a great question. And I... Um, 
When I started on Triple R in um, in nineteen eighty, and there were I'd go to volunteers meetings and stuff, and I remember that there was a bit of you know, there was kind of contentious uh, with the staff on the or sorry the volunteers and the staff, and I remember someone saying that person X I can't remember who you know the the Chancellor of of RMIT or whoever. Just all they want is for the station to be broadcasting programs, like talk programs, educational programs, specially prepared programs, um, in the middle of the night and a tape recorder at another university just tapes it and they put it in the library. And that's <laughs> this, this person said that's, that's all he wants. That's all he cares about. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, exactly. What a vision. Scintillating. That's right. But, you know, but I do I honestly think that and I think that, that RMT um, – uh, those articles just underline this that the station has always been about informing. Mm. So whether it is, um, you know, and it's, and it's often cultural, not always, not always, you know, large C cultural, but often it has often had that role. And I think that kind of that character has maintained for for the last forty forty five years, without a doubt, it really has. Yeah, and I think that critical. I think it's in in the mission statement the critical approach to contemporary culture, and I think totally that's true. that's what matters, yeah. isn't it? You know, I was thinking you you are university lecturer Dave, you're in touch with the young people, and and started here at fifteen. And I, I was a couple of weeks ago, I brought my daughter in to volunteer for the oh, first yeah. time. She's fifteen, mm. and. She just loved it, like the vibe, mm. you know, she's ticking off names for one of the live-to-air shows and everyone who turned up was generous and mm. lovely, friendly, helpful. When she couldn't find their name, they'd point their name out for her. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was so delightful to mm. see the, and the person she was ticking names off with was about 18 and so the next generation of people coming into the station and helping out and it made me think you know the role that we have to keep these kinds of cultural institutions running or else they won't be doubt. there will they no I mean, exactly that's that is quite correct and do you think they uh listen the young people these days dave like the people that you mix with are they sort of you know are they fragmented or do they find it's their a place? really good question and i i think it's it's too hard to typify but i think that um some you know young young people um so I deal with a lot of first-year undergrads and I deal with a lot of um, post, post-grads and there's five years between those and there's, there's a huge difference, of course, between people who are like 18, 19 and people who are 24, 23, 24, um, like a world of difference. And um, I think by the time they get to that 23, 24, they are a lot more... Um, critical in their in their thinking and they will actually actively go out and seek things not to say that people younger people don't but I think that um you know I get the sense of the um people under 20 in the university world are they're a little bit um you know they they cling together for security and they're not they're not necessarily they're a bit shy of um even of expressing themselves let alone um going out and finding things and knowing exactly what they want i know that's a that's a terrible put down of of and, and it's a horrendous generalization but that's a that's a broad observation that um of mine um so do they listen to that yeah i think um i think that you know it's a it's a thing that teenagers and and people in their early 20s will always be going out and and trying to find stuff and looking for sources and looking for ways to to get more information and because it's not just their own um interests it's also they're also formulating their um their character as well you know uh and defining themselves against their own tastes and and you know 
finding cool things. Well, was Triple R a big part of that experience for you when you got involved? In my own development, yeah, of, oh, and, and becoming more sort of um, critical and and exploring totally, different absolutely. sort of cultures and, and musical styles absolutely, and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, it was probably one of the most formative influences um, in in my life. But I will, you know, just thinking about the Helen Thomas um, comment about new wave. Um, I've, I once again, 1980, I was in um, art class, and there was a, a a girl who I was semi friends with, and she said to me. Do you know there's a station that just plays New Wave? <laughs> and I don't know if I conveyed it properly, but she said it with disgust. <laughs> it was just, you know, could you could you believe like who are those bottom feeders? You know, <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds okay. They're my people. <laughs> <laughs> what is that station? It is three triple r r r r dot org dot au is where you need to go to subscribe. We'd love you to subscribe, particularly if you want a station that presents rock music in an intelligent fashion (laughs) in your life. Thank you, Dave. Thanks so much. Triple R. This particular show is about a lot of things. Um, We bring you as many in-depth stories and sometimes underrepresented stories every single week. And one of the people that helps us do that is Benita Kolovos from Guardian Australia. Uh, She's Guardian's uh, Australia's state correspondent for Victoria and has been joining us regularly over the past couple of years. I think it all started in the pandemic period where we wanted to keep focus on political stories uh, at the state level because they were just so important and Benita also has a background in community radio as well. And uh, thank you for coming in. It's our first time meeting you in person, actually. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It all started when we couldn't leave the house. I know. (laughs) And, and, And the biggest stories in town were in the state of Victoria really in the in that lockdown period and I mean it was just fascinating talking to you about what it's like to go to work yeah. and go to some of those like some of that the, the reporting that you did at that time we needed to hear so mm. you know thank you so much oh, for making pleasure. time for us at a busy busy time but I must say that your first trip to the station and I could see you standing outside <laughs> the door and I'm like texting you going just pull the door and you could just come straight in. like, don't press anything while we're on air. And there was like a little light flashing and like, smile, you're on camera. It's designed to just scare the willies out of you, I think, out there, all the messages. I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? (laughs) You are very welcome here. And And I mean, you've actually been on air as a broadcaster from the RMIT news reading end. Is that right? Yeah. So part of our journalism course was like one of our assignments, instead of writing an essay on the theory of journalism or, you know, Watergate, we actually had to produce a radio bulletin. I think it was something like six weeks in a row. You'd have to come in like you would in a newsroom and everyone had to put together packages and we'd go live on air. So at the end of this show sometimes. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we have yeah, yeah. Years, it yeah. was um it was great experience. Like you learn so much more from actually doing it and I guess that's where we have to say a massive thank you to you guys um for letting us do that because a lot of people would be like, oh God, do we want people that have never done radio before doing radio? Um so that's I guess one of the things that I love about Triple R is giving young people a chance um which you know at some times I would be like oh god do they really want to listen to this week like you'd have to cobble together like all sorts of stuff and they always said you know put a story in from like state politics or from federal politics but we want you to find your own stuff and when you're on a uni campus um and certain days there's not a lot happening on the uni campus it would 
be yeah, a bit of a struggle to find news, but I guess that's part of your job sometimes. That, that's a really yeah. big deal, I, I imagine, as well, when, you know, if you're just sort of writing an assignment for university and you might have your lecturer or your tutor read it and, and mark it, mm. there's a certain, you know, level of anxiety, but mm. nothing like actually going live on air yeah. <laughs> for, for a, a, you know, a real radio station. What did that sort of feel like at the time for you as kind of a, an aspiring journalist and then having this kind of public outlet? See, I really found it nerve-wracking. I had never done any sort of journalism before I got to uni my assumption was that's why I'm going to uni to learn how to do journalism Um, a lot of the people I did my course with knew from like age five they wanted to be reporters so a lot of them actually didn't have the nerves to do that sort of thing they were ready they'd been waiting their whole lives to to be a journalist Um, but for me I was like this is like massive and it's always been like a little bit nerve-wracking to do, you know, live radio, live TV. I've done, you know, you guys and and ABC and it took a while to build that confidence up, um, whereas others were just like, I'm ready to go. Mm. So, and, you know, you can't help but compare yourself to other journos. Um, but I think we all bring different things to the job and I look at like the Victorian Parliament and the reporters that work in there. We all have different skills and I might be able to get a story that someone else won't be because I do have that in me and I might not necessarily be the loudest at a press conference, but um, sometimes you like catch them off guard when you are a little bit more quiet or you go, hey, I just want to clarify something. And before you know it, they've revealed what they're meant to be doing in parliament the following week. So yeah, I think, I think it's, I used to go, oh no, I have to try and be like other journos. Um, But then I realized there's actually strength in doing it your own way. And I think I got that from doing it at university as well. And and going, I can't, I can't compete with someone that's been practicing in the mirror since they were six. Like I've just got to do it my way. Mm. And you know, I mean, this idea that someone might know what they're doing in the future. I mean, we've had a massive change in media in uh, yeah. the sort of past 10, 20, 30 years. Not just the sort of fragmentation and the, the change in the economic models, but the diversity of broadcasters and and writers. We don't want everybody being the same do we because there's all different cultural backgrounds that we need different perspectives people with disability people that have different lived experiences Mm. that weren't practicing from very young not that there's anything wrong with that but it's that sense that if everyone's ready made then you don't get the the diversity of thoughts and experiences that you need and I think that's something I sort of hear from you that you can make yourself at any time and be mm. a broadcaster. There's all diversity of ages on Triple R. It's not everybody's the same at all by any stretch of the imagination. So. And that's what makes it so great. Um, and, yeah, I think about, like, what we can all bring and different life experiences, and I think that's still something that journalism needs to confront, um, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, people with disabilities, um, ensuring that they find a place because it is really – it's a hard industry to crack into. Mm. Like you have to do so much unpaid work and a lot of people just can't afford to not work while they're studying. Um, so I think that's slowly shifting um, but we still have a bit of a way to go. Yeah, and I mean we've we've been doing this show for quite a long time and we try to kind of cover a whole range of different issues. Um, you know, we cover national, international news but also try to always have some emphasis on the local and, and state-based politics and what's going on at that level too. And we found that, you know, sometimes it can be challenging to find people who are really keeping their ear to the ground with, with that sort of stuff. You've done it through Guardian Australia and I think Associated Press yeah, you were with beforehand, weren't well. you? Yeah. yeah. So what do you see uh, as the role of kind of really honing in on on state 
issues and making sure that people are informed about things that they really, you know, should should know about? Yeah, it's been since I started in journalism, like fewer and fewer news outlets reporting on state politics. Like there used to be, a, what was it called, like State Line or um, on ABC mm, yeah. that was just on state politics that obviously doesn't exist anymore. And it's really hard. Like I really noticed it during the pandemic. Sometimes they'd fly in a reporter from Sydney or from 60 Minutes or, um, you know, someone that wasn't familiar with the state um, and they just don't get it the way that we get it when we're here every single day. And Victorians, I would like to argue, are a unique, um, I guess, um, community and um, our politics is quite unique. They don't call us the, is it the Massachusetts of um, Australia for no reason? Um, So I I do think it's important that people that live it and breathe it are reporting it um, because you can tell otherwise you really can um and I guess you know I was at AAP when the pandemic started and then I moved over to the Guardian the Guardian didn't have state reporters pre the pandemic and they really noticed it during it how much state you know state politics that impact that it has on people's lives like we're talking about schools and hospitals your roads your public transport all of that's done at a state level and I don't know, I couldn't even imagine doing this job from another state. Like, how can you talk about a level crossing removal in a suburb if you've never been there? Yeah. Um, So I think it's really important. It's so great that The Guardian recognised that that was a gap and they decided to fill it. That was so apparent during COVID as well, wasn't it? When there were reporters talking about what was going on in in Melbourne, particularly with lockdowns and the like, and it just felt like there was a real disconnect between the experience here and what was being reported in some places. Yeah, I remember, like, um, everyone in Sydney talking about how you know, the Victorians are stuck in lockdown and yes, there were people that were really upset and who wants to be in lockdown? But I I just, I thought it was a disconnect with how people here were feeling, which was, this is awful. I don't like this, but we've got to do it. And, you know, everyone in New South Wales was so shocked when the Premier, you know, won the election and won it emphatically because they thought that there'd just be this, you know, anti-Dan thing on the ground that, being on the ground, yes, there was a grumpy person or, you know, conspiracy yeah, people had theorists. bad People had yeah. bad days too. Yeah, you know, so. but um, I just, I think that they had this idea by maybe the loudest voices, but those weren't most Victorians. Mm. Um, and I kept saying that throughout it, you know, it's not going to be as bad as as you think. I think he's actually going to do quite well. Um, and they were so shocked. I'm like, well, this exactly proves why. We need to be here and doing what we're doing. Totally. Um, Benita Colifus is with us, Guardian Australia. It is radiothonrrr.org.au is where you go to subscribe to this station and I can't help but ask you political questions now. I mean, <laughs> how, how do we feel now? You know, what's the sense now about, you know, there's so much talk of secession in Victoria, what's going to happen? And Victoria getting called a lot more other names for big decisions, you know. Uh, I mean, we've never even talked about it on this show, but the mm. Commonwealth Games or whatever it might be, um, the water policy, Politics and yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff that, that this state is a, is an outlier on, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I am getting a bit of, like, wheels falling off energy. Um, obviously, the decision to cancel the Commonwealth Games is quite significant um, and it's going to cost, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for us to pull out of that contract. Um, and, you know, the idea of when did they realise that that was not going to be possible to get it done by 2026 um, I found that a very interesting um, discussion 
uh, the water buybacks also. We had Tanya Plibersek here a couple of days ago and she refused to answer any questions on it when she was standing with the Premier and I think that was the only question people wanted to ask. Um, they wanted to hear what she said yeah. standing next to the Premier. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because, was, of, because of the ALP commonality there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, and, again, like even within like federal Labor and state Labor, there is a, a difference. Like they're from the same faction but politically not necessarily aligned. Um but yeah, I really am feeling this like um, within the state. Where do we go from here? Because mm. Daniel Andrews can't stick around forever, nor would you want to stick around forever. Um, so who is going to replace him? And you know, everyone's saying it's absolutely going to be Jacinta Allen. So now it's like, who's going to be the deputy premier? What faction are they from? And you know, some undermining and leaking and gossiping. So it's going to be an interesting couple of months. And so that sense that you might have of, you know, the, the sort of wheels falling off energy, mm. is that things that you pick up from sort of tip-offs you might get and, and, and murmurings from people you might have cultivated relationships with, but maybe they're saying things now that they weren't sort of saying in the past? Exactly. They're, they're very disciplined. And that's one thing that the Victorian Liberal Party have even admitted they've been jealous about is how do they keep their MPs from gossiping and talking and and undermining because that's obviously a problem that they've been having for years. Um, so they have been a real disciplined unit um, and the idea is, you know, it's better to be in government than not, like, just rally around each other, do do our thing. Um, but, yeah, a little bit of gossip floating around, a lot of people that maybe weren't as chatty that are chatting now. Um, another thing I noticed was just, like, the Premier really phoning it in at some press conferences recently, just not really trying to pick a fight, not really fighting with that sort of conviction that we've seen in the past. Um, another thing I thought, which is, you know, when you are sick, obviously stay at home when you're not feeling well. But he, like, took a whole week off Parliament with, mm. a, with a cold, which I, like, you know, this is a guy that did 120 press conferences yeah. in a row. Um, so some yeah. pretty bad colds going around. Actually, to be fair, like, Sympathetic. There, there are a lot of bugs going around. But I just thought it was like he hasn't been doing as many press conferences. Mm. I'm like, is this just or, – or is it the fact that it's year one of a four-year term and you don't have to do as much? Yeah. Like, you really don't. And with the kind of majority they've got. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. People are saying he's going to resign at the end of this year. People are saying it's going to be the end of next year. I don't think he's going to give us any notice. He's just going to rock up one day, just you know, because that wouldn't be like be that. that wouldn't be like this premier, would it? No, just you so know, drop a bombshell. Just drop a bombshell <laughs> and um, make us journo's absolutely freak out because um, he's not going to he's not going to want people to start succession planning either. Like you know, the the fewer people that can know about it, I reckon the better it will be for him and his plan to have you know Minister Allen take over from him. So that day is going to be really interesting. I've started writing like, I don't want to call it an obituary because it's not, but just like a history of Daniel Andrews and all the things I he's have done. have it ready to go. Yeah. Well, you know, I often wonder about that because we know, you know my background's you know, well, obviously on the radio, um, <laughs> but media in those environments where people need to prepare yeah. for, when you know, the, the kind of articles when it's the, the monarch dies, things like this are planned for and ready because you think, how do they get it done? It's not chat people. Now GPT yeah. doing it. It's it's a whole pe- team of people yeah. that work on obits, which is wild. And I always like to go and see like who they're working on at the current time. Um, I don't know. Obviously, George Pell was one that everyone was ready to go on. Um, 
Do I do I name people? Am I going to put no, a moss no. on it? What about the if you've got waiting in the wings? I, I don't think so. Let's not name them. <laughs> what about like? What about subscribing? Who's going to drop off the perch first? This is all taking a strange turn. Hasn't we, it? We're going to take a bet on. Who's no one's gone. writing the OB for Triple R because people are actually subscribing. Actually, let me read out who's subscribing. Clint Wall from Brighton has renewed uh, to on the blower. Uh, Craig Anthman from Melton has renewed to Livewire. What a great show! Very alive, Triple R. Yes, we are. Very much alive in this station, and I mean, you, you just mentioned at the start of this chat that this is the first time you've walked in here. Um, what's your kind of impression of Triple R? Both, you know, as someone who was involved doing the midday news, and now you've come in here and you kind of, you know, involved to an extent with this show, keeping us informed of, of your reporting. What role do you think it sort of plays in in Melbourne culturally and, and politically and the like? I remember you were asking me to like think about your first Triple R memory and something you can talk about, and I honestly could not think of it because it's been a constant like my dad would always play it on the radio growing up um but I guess like the overarching feel is just you know grassroots community like channel like it that feeling that it's a safe space and you can talk about what you want to talk about um you can make a mistake and the community around it aren't going to like pillage you for it yeah um so I think that's probably my big thing is it's not a memory it's more feeling if that's really corny. We've gone from death to, to love. Um, not what I'm used to talking about. Probably should be more in the love kind of phase, I think. But no, it, it absolutely is, is a feeling. And I think so many of us who are involved with the station have that. It's mm. something that's been, a, you know, part of our lives for a long time um, and really can be sort of transformative as well. So it is a vibe and it's a vibe you get from subscribing to the station, um, uh, you know, as much as it is from being broadcasting on air as well. So thank you so much for, for being involved in our special Radiothon yeah. show and um, for keeping your ear to the ground for us on um, Victorian state politics as well. Absolute pleasure. And Thanks, no, guys. And uh, no doubt we'll have you back on the on the radio very soon. Keeping us up to date. <laughs> who, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat I now. Know. What <laughs> is going to happen? Every time he announces he's having a press conference at the moment, I'm like, can I miss this one or do yeah. I need to be there? So I feel like that's going to be the way it is now until it yeah. happens. Yeah. Definitely yeah. don't get a cold then. No. Triple <laughs> <laughs> R. This station here runs on the smell of an oily rag because the broadcasters are volunteers, we are, and behind the scenes there are off-air volunteers too, like Ben Harrington and Dan Morganti, both who have produced podcasts for the station. Uh, Ben is behind the podcast for this program actually every single week and Dan used to hold that mantle and now he's an on-air volunteer with um with Bite Into It and yeah hello both of you hello hello, hello. I feel I feel like this is like family coming yeah. in oh, it's, it's great to be here this is super lovely and I, I love that you just ran in here around about five or six minutes late Dan were you a latecomer to school or did you arrive on time um, every day every morning no um I was busy hugging my cats at home and um I realized when I was when I got up this morning I'm like all right, I got to leave at ten fifteen. Got to leave at ten, and kept checking my clock. And then at some point, I just went, "All right, I got to leave at ten thirty. And just like, so I lost fifteen minutes. I got in the car. I'm like, I'm fifteen minutes late. Um, and no, my mum is very on time, so I was okay. generally on time. On time to school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, me, not so much. Yeah. So <laughs> if I was the one driving, I would have been late to school for sure. What about you, Ben? Were you an on time person? You were here on time. I was here on time. Um, I was very punctual with school generally. Um, no issues there. We had a, like a three-strike system. I'm not sure if that's always been in place, but while I was in high school, 
Yeah, what happened so, on the third strike? You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of the they reintroduce corporal punishment? Uh, <laughs> you know that thing with some people count for their kids. They go, okay, I'll, on five, and yeah, they never a, get it's there. A bluff. And it's like, whatever happened on five? Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, not sure. Nothing. Nothing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Dan, tell us how you first wandered into this place all those years ago. Um, so I was a late bloomer to university. I went when I was 25 and I wanted to study radio. Uh, I wanted to be involved in radio and at that time podcasting was just taking off as well. Um, so when I started uni, I started volunteering at Triple R as well. Uh, Janelle, the um, volunteers rep who used to work here, um, took me around the, the station and I was just happy to be let in the door. I'm like, oh my God, they're actually taking me into the studio and like I get to see the live performance space and, and all that. And then uh, straight away, I started working on the podcast for The Grapevine, which I uh, would come in every Monday. I typically didn't have um, uni on Mondays, and um, right after the show, I'd have a chat to you two and ask what interviews you'd want and put it all together, and I didn't know what I was doing at first, so <laughs> I imagine the, the first couple were pretty poor quality, but um, pretty quickly picked it up and put it all together. Now, um, I'm actually working on a podcast for my business um, at work i wanted to make a podcast so i pitched them a podcast wow. so from all the skills that i learned here i'm able to be paid doing podcasting now for i mean it's a pretty dry business oriented podcast but still i get to make it i get to record it and interview all people around my business and um use it as like a, a hiring tool for to go on the career their careers page and all that so yeah i've learned a lot of skills here um met a lot of wonderful people and you should probably subscribe but yeah. you know i was thinking uh, dan that you you gave me some feedback when you got, you know, got your feet under the desk and everything. You're like, actually, Kalia, I'd really appreciate it when you started interviews because I'm editing it all into this like cool podcast for you. And when you talk to Dylan and then voom, go straight to introducing the desk and don't put a pause there, it's really hard to edit that. I, I think I recall that. <laughs> and I oh. Went, oh, Dan. No problem. And even now, I think, pause. <laughs> I'm so glad I helped you with that. But what hubris. What a, what a... Knowing you has been an education. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to tell you how to do your job. I'm like, that's, yeah, yeah, Ben hasn't done that. I'm just waiting him... for the time, though. No, I didn't know that was an option. Give it to us straight, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll make sure to do that. And so what's your connection with the station? I mean, you've kind of got you know family connections as well. Tell us how mm. you first sort of wandered in here. Yeah. For sure. That's a massive part of it. My, my first time, I think, coming into the station in any sort of professional context, or I guess you could say that, was doing a work experience in 2016 um, in late high school in year 10. That was a bit of an experience. I mean, not a whole lot has changed around here. Like, Zoran is exactly the same. He's the like same as when I first came in as well. <laughs> exactly. He's a never-changing individual. Um, love you. But uh, went from there on to um, doing Room with a View, in university, um, I'm sure there's a bit of a pipeline with staff that come on here and do that. Yeah. Um, and then since the start of this year, I've been volunteering, doing um, graveyard shifts, helping out with this podcast, um, which has been absolutely a lot of fun. But yeah, as you mentioned, it's a bit of a, a bit of a family matter. My dad has had some uh, involvement at the station for for years and years, and has been one of the biggest fans, fanboys of Triple R um, that I know. I think so. It's just been a constant soundtrack to our household. undefeated megahertz coach Tim Harrington. <laughs> yeah, three feet. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, how does it come out with him? It's just on. It's on. But he, he knows people as well, obviously through the football and everything like that. And how else does he show his 
fanboyness. It's just a constant soundtrack. We can't. I can't actually escape listening to, to Triple R <laughs> at any given moment in my life. So it was just a via osmosis sort of interest, I think. It's kind of nice that, you know, often what your parents are into, you sort of rebel against and you're not into the same thing. But mm. there are multi-generational people involved in Triple R because their parents were into it as well. It's sort of, yeah. it's not it's not yuck and uncool because your parents, you know, love the station, which is kind of nice. But your dad has a really cool number plate as well. Tell us about that. He does. So a few years ago, listeners might be aware that... Um, the state or the city at least introduced um, the option to have a number and then three letters as your licence plate as opposed to what had been available previously. And that news broke and my dad was immediately like, all right, three, uh, 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 it's going to be our licence plate for our car and snapped it up within minutes of the announcement. Um, and ever since, it's just been a cold war between dad and the station and the station life being like, can we please have the number plate? Like, it'd be really cool for us to have. Like, no, not relinquishing it. you triple R. I mean, you can't have everything. <laughs> exactly, see? It's one or the other. <laughs> have they offered him money for the number plate? Or? I don't know if triple R's in the position to offer mm, money. In kind of goes against the whole radio song really, vibe, doesn't it? Really yeah. does, they yeah. could have money if more people donated. Help the station. Perfect team number plate. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't know we had fleet vehicles here at Triple R, though, do we? Uh, not, I didn't know that either. Not but yet. It's good to know we could always auction it off if things go really bad, if yeah. Tim would, yeah. would be so good to do that for us, then um, you know maybe he's holding on to it for that reason. I think so, yeah. Say. Maybe yeah. an altruistic sort of purpose behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I can't not turn on Wednesday nights and hear you these days. Yeah, um, I'm a big part of Bite Into It, have been for a few years. Um, thanks to Vanessa, who let me come on the show, and um, I haven't left since. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of... Of um, everyone on the show, on the program, um, Ro, Joe, Dan, um, oh, I'm forgetting someone, Laura, Vanessa, um, Paul, um, and the rotating roster that we have there. Uh, and really, I'm out of my depth because I just like video games and talking about video games. So when they're talking about nanotechnology, I'm like, ah, ah, ah pretending you like sound I know. Like, and... You do sound like you know what you're talking about. Oh, well, you, but you <laughs> ask really good questions. I'm, I think that's what it is. But you don't need to be an authority on everything, do you? Uh, I don't think so. But I do feel like, oh, these guys know a yeah, lot do. more than me. So um, I think, yeah, I'm asking the questions from a very uninformed point of view that hopefully um, translates for the listeners to be like, ah, oh, yeah, this guy is... Uh, um, uh, not as intelligent as uh, everyone else, and I can relate to that. He's the everyman. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. I'm the everyman. I'm the everyman. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it turns out that everyman, like everybody, sort of touches in on computer games. Yeah, I think so. My mum even plays it with my nephew these days, or little games, you know, on phones, which I don't yeah. think she would have ever done before, except for that uh, that he's really into them. Yeah. You know? Well, if you allow me to get into video games for a second, the IGEA, the International Games. Uh, I can't remember the... the Every man. Now, yeah. I can't help you there. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but they just released a report about the numbers of Australians playing video games and they're now at gender parity and now like uh, the numbers go up every year. It's something like 76% or 78% or something like that. Um, and that includes like all your video games, Candy Crush and um, Minecraft and all the ones that we've all heard of. And then, 
um, so much more. So if yeah. you're, you're just scratching the surface, get in deeper. D- dive right in. I... This is the thing, though, what unites, I think, all Triple R broadcasters and volunteers is that enthusiasm and just love of things because you like doing it. And whether you're a music collector or you like covering kind of you know weird policy questions and stuff as we do on the show, we do it because we're interested and listeners are really interested in that as well. And that's the one common thread, I think, that runs through all, all broadcasters. Um, you've got a Radiothon graveyard coming up. Ben, this week I do. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? Oh my god, I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a bit different to, to our usual shows. Um, we're aware that there's a bit different uh, structural approach that you have to take. Um, sort of going back and forth with with the audience a little bit, reading out names. I'm not sure whether graveyards will be as suitable to this sort of context and a lot of people actually calling in or um, subscribing and leaving messages and things like that. But no, I'm, I'm really excited to, to do it and see what it's like. I don't think it'll be quite as busy. During the day, there's quite a few people out here. It can get, I'm not sure if it does still, but like it was walking this like 80s Wall Street people running around with <laughs> pieces of paper. Like, ah, we've got five <laughs> Just like that. There's yeah. actually a chalkboard out there with lines because it's an educational theme yeah, saying, yeah. I will subscribe to Triple R. I will yeah. subscribe to Triple R. It made, it made me think of The Simpsons, actually. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Someone actually had to do that. Who, who got punished in the office to have to write out the lines? That's a good question. I saw <laughs> Sam Cummins on a uh, oh, photo. Sam I'm sure it was it. him. I reckon it would have been him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he deserves it. Always up, Sam Cummins. Up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what night can people catch you on your graveyard? We'll be broadcasting on Saturday morning, 4 till 6. So I believe that's the 2nd of September, if I'm getting my dates right. Yeah. Um, so if you're awake or you've woken up during the night, feel free. That's ramping up. I mean, towards the end of that, that week, people do tend to, you know, they realise they haven't yet subscribed and then mm. do it then. So hopefully, you know, if, you ha- if you're not going to subscribe this morning, then people, Saturday morning... Get on board. Thank you for the plug. This, yeah. is, this is the support I was looking for. <laughs> or they're going to sleep after a long night out on the town. I'm sure. Uh, exactly. Listening to your dulcet tones as oh, you whisk them off to the land of Nod. They're going to f- fish out their credit card and go, Ben told me to subscribe and now here I go. It's passionate. Thank you. <laughs> Wake up the next day. What did I do? I <laughs> 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 uh, Well, thank you both for coming in and thank you so much for all of your work as well. Not that I need to thank you, but I am uh, on behalf of others because it's, yeah, it's what makes the world go round. Um, yeah, well, I just want to say thank you guys for letting me be a part of the, um, the program and the station. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot from you guys and I appreciate it. I remember when you gave us a snow report once, actually, because you're a few into times, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Turn up with your beanie on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't actually been up to the snow this year, which has been um, a bit sad, but also it hasn't been the best season, so I don't mind so much. But um, I can do it again if you're ever interested. Yeah. Um, although I'm not as connected to the snow as I once was. Well, there's not as much snow as there once was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, and um, catch you again soon. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. RRR.org.au is where you go to subscribe to the station and keep us going for another year. And a few people have done just that. Clayton Antonio from Wallington renewing to the whole station, as is Edward Murphy from Preston. Jane uh, Durlacher from Hawthorne, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Jane to the whole station and also Jeff Sparrow. Jeff Sparrow. From Elwood, subscribing to The Grapevine. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. And um, Jeff's actually on the line right now. He's very we'll busy. He's very busy and he can't come in. He's, he had to call in instead because he's a senior lecturer over at a university and they're striking today. And you wouldn't be striking, would you, Jeff? 
<laughs> I am indeed just on my way to the picket line. Happy Radiothon, everyone. How's Ooh. it all going? Yeah, good. We're not we're not as busy as you by the sounds of it, though. It's um, what are you fighting for? Well, uh, we are busy stopping work. <laughs> the best kind of busyness there there um there can be. Uh, the university sector is uh, in a catastrophic uh, mess. So this is a dispute uh, about wages and conditions, but more fundamentally, it's about an education system that has been allowed to disintegrate over decades so that most people there are employed precariously. And, um, you know, anyone who's been to university recently knows how dysfunctional the whole place is. So it's over a whole series, um, a whole series of things. And, um, yeah, uh, the arts faculty, the law faculty and some other key sections of the university are out for an entire week making it the, one of the longest, the longest strike, I think, ever in the history of Australian higher education. So that's quite something. Yeah, it's it's huge. And, I mean, you wrote sort of about the strike or, or sort of reflected, I suppose, on the need for the strike in the context of the deterioration of higher education institutions in Australia and how that's linked to kind of marketisation and the pursuit of profit over and above a, a public good. And I suppose, you know, thinking about an organisation like Triple R and what makes it worthwhile and why we keep rocking up, you know, each week to do what we do, is because it feels like there's a real kind of community spirit that underpins the institution. It feels authentic, it feels real, and it feels like it's valuable to people. I wonder how you kind of reflect on the role of us as um, participants in building up institutions so they don't deteriorate. Yeah, I feel I say this every um, radiophone, but Triple R and its whole ethos is so antithetical to, you know, that foundations of the rest of society, isn't it? Here is this station that is predominantly run by volunteers. You know, we're told that the only the only reason to do anything anywhere else is to make money, but here's a station run by volunteers. Not only that, it's sustained by people who are just su- supporting it because they support what it does. They're not supporting it in order to get any money out of it. You know, it's quite possible for people to listen to it without um, poning up any money, but people will every year their pockets to keep it alive because they think there are some things that are more important than just naked financial interest. And, you know, the rest of the world will tell you that that's absolutely crazy, that naked financial interest is the only thing in the world that matters. And here is a station that says that uh, there are indeed other values and you can sustain an institution like Triple R for decades on deca- decades and decades um, on the back of those other values. And I think that is quite amazing. That's why I subscribe. Yeah, I just think it's astonishing. It is. It really is. And thinking even now when people are coming together and it's a people power power thing that that the university sectors or parts of it and you are are doing today is you're saying we stand for something. And I, I imagine that's quite a bonding experience i know certainly when you you know drive around melbourne or go around melbourne you see bumper stickers you can see people that are connected in some way to you by values and i imagine that's similar to what you're fighting with your colleagues and others with today jeff is that sort of bond of standing for something completely i think that there's no greater bonding experience than when you're living together with other people through non-monetary values through something that you you know you share philosophically and as you say that is has always been the triple r thing hasn't it so you know you you support it you um you volunteer for it you broadcast 
on it or you subscribe to it because you see it as a representing values that you and other people uh, support. See someone with a sticker, you see, you hear someone else is tuned into it and you think that, you know, they are one of us because they share those values and that's incredibly, um, incredibly powerful and it's not an experience you necessarily get in too many other parts of your lives where you're just constantly told that if you're not out for yourself, you're not just looking at the number one, then you're a fool and, you know, that's the way the world works. And it's um, really nice that there are places that say, actually, things don't have to be like that. Yeah. I mean, marketization and the pursuit of profit has sort of, you know, captured our media ecosystem as well. Of course, you know, we're lucky to have a, a public broadcaster in this country. But I wonder about, like, I kind of often think about, you know, people we've had on the show over the years, such as yourself and, you know, Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth, who's, you know, tires, tirelessly campaigned for environmental action and climate action and the like, and issues that maybe in the past might have been seen as quite niche and fringe, but become very much mainstream what do you think is the value of kind of independent analysis and and giving a voice to these types of concerns that are really you know existential concerns but maybe for a long time weren't given the coverage that they deserve across the mainstream media landscape yeah i mean look if if ever there was someone who could look at who could um you know point to what's happening with climate change and the environment disaster and say i told you so it was be Cam Walker, someone who's been, you know, at trying to tell people that the direction that we're heading, you know, is a catastrophic uh, mistake. And it, it, people like him aren't necessarily voices that would be welcomed on other platforms. You know, you're not going to get a, um, a panel show on, um, on Sky After Dark to talk about the environment. Unlikely. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, although, I see what I was... I would pay good money to see that show. I think we've got more subscribers than they've got listeners or watchers anyway, Jeff, on Triple R. Yeah, that's right. Cam wouldn't want it if he was on it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He'd it down. But, yeah, so so to have alternative voices um, and to have a, uh, a station that will, you know, consistently year after year provide a platform for alternative views, that's tremendously important because like now as never before it's being shown that those alternative views are incredibly valuable and important because they were right all along all the things that you know people like cam and friends are definitely talking about actually they were right and all the people who um you know who poo-pooed uh their environmentalism have been proved catastrophically wrong so yeah it's, it's tremendously important that there are venues that allow those conversations to take place. You heard it here first. Jeff, we know you've got to go. Uh, enjoy your week. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, yes, a happy, uh, happy Radiothon. I hope it's a tremendous success. And I hope, I know these are tough times for people, but I hope they can, I hope if you're listening, you can, you know, find it, find it somewhere to dig into your pocket and support this great station. Thanks so much, Jeff. All the best for today and the rest of the week. And we'll, um, we'll chat again soon. See ya. Bye. Cheers. Triple. And we're very pleased to have now in the studio with us for our very special Radiothon show, a very special guest, no stranger to the Triple R Airwaves, the one, the only, Emma Russick. Hello. Oh, hello. That's hello. nice. The one and the only. I love that. There's no others that I'm aware of. but there's No, I don't think there's any other Emma Russacks in the whole world. <laughs> you know what? And no... I actually don't think there is. So there's that's no cool. other Kalia Colstons either. Yes! 
I love We're that. unique over here. Any Dylan yep. Burps? I reckon there is a couple <laughs> yeah. getting Actually, around. I was just looking you up on social media today and I found five. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But that's okay. But you're special to us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's there's lovely. only one on the triple R airwaves. There's exactly. only one. That's right. It's good to know you're doing some social media stalking, man. Yeah, I know. I, I can't get enough of you, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> My socials are very boring. Um, Emma, when did you first swan into Triple R? Where did it all start oh, for you? Good question. I reckon it would have been like 2012 or something, or maybe even earlier, maybe 2010, because I first moved to Melbourne from New South Wales in, in 2010, and I put out my first album in 2012, which Triple R supported um, as per usual. And um, yeah, I remember, but back in those days, not back in those days, I mean, it was 10 years ago or whatever. Um, you used to send in your CD and put it in people's pigeonholes yeah. or whatever, direct it to the people. Does that still happen? There's a digi-pidge now. Yeah, right, digi-pidge. Mm. And I, you know, wrote a letter, you know, put it, slipped it into the CD cover and, yeah, it was, yeah, that's going back a while now. It was always really nice to get those handwritten yeah. notes as well. Like it's, uh, you know, it's much easier now just to be able to download music. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. you would kind of clean out your pigeonhole each week and then get these really lovely messages from artists, some of whom, well, many of whom you'd never heard of before. Yeah, well, Instagram probably wasn't a thing back then, so mm. you couldn't just look them up and have a sense of who they were um, like you can now. Um, so, yeah, you'd probably get these handwritten letters and go, oh, this person sounds interesting or whatever, yeah. But it was like a treasure box. I mean, we yeah. still have pigeonholes, by the way, but it's and it, people still put things in them, but it's not so common. Yeah. But it really was... Like getting treasure at the yeah, like at the that. end of every show, and it was a dilemma: do I get albums before I go in or after? Because if you do it before, then you can throw out your your kind of planned track list. Because if there's something else on there, and yes. you get sort of choice yes. dilemmas. Yes, but yeah, you get a big stack of them. It's yeah, and then fun. what would you do with them after? Where are they all now? Uh, in a box. I've got a lot in a box. Yeah, I've got a lot in a box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember going to like. Um, radio stations and sometimes in Sydney. Um, what's the big one in Sydney? Um, FBI? Or FBI, or yeah. And they'd have boxes of, like, CDs and it'd say, free to a good home or whatever, and you'd pick up all these albums or whatever and, yeah, that was always cool. Totally. And my mum used to come with me sometimes to interviews. Well, this happened once and <laughs> she wasn't, like, a momager or anything. Um, but she came <laughs> with me. She came with me to... Um, is it Sin Radio? Yeah, the um, RMIT. Yeah, yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just promoting all these other radio stations <laughs> right now. Um, and she went through the Free to a Good Home um, box and she was so chuffed that she got all these CDs and still plays them. Blah, blah, wow. blah. That's, that's that. What did she find, do you know? Um, the... No, I don't remember, but I think she felt pretty cool that yeah. she had all these, you know, indie indie albums that she could play in the car. Totally, yeah, mm. yeah, and tell people about it. Exactly. <laughs> what, what do you listen to? Are you sort of digital music or are you vinyl or what's your Good thing? Good question. I am definitely digital these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a big stack of records, mainly my friends, <laughs> um, but I, I like playing records, but I'm also not very good at keeping records um, well maintained. I don't have that thing. I, um, and I'm not good at dusting the record yeah. player or anything like that. Um, 
but yeah, so it's mainly digital for me. But I still think records are great, so you should buy them when you can. <laughs> I've been caught out as well, leaving them in the sun and that yes, sort of thing as well. Like I should warp. treat them better that I've learned by some mega stuff ups over the years. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. I left one of my dad's favourite, favourite vinyl records on the back console of the car oh. once. And then Ooh. he said to me, he's so, he was so kind. I knew he loved that album. And it, you probably couldn't get it again. Who knows? And he said to me, let me show you why you don't do that. And he put it on the turntable. It was like, whoa, whoa. Is that like, why they destroyed all your really school photos? Robbed. <laughs> why my school <laughs> well, photos all gone missing. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, and they then really didn't work did anymore. Again, but you understood. I understood. Why? That was a no-no. Yeah, so that's that's good parenting. Yeah, it's a lesson. It's educational, isn't yes, it? Yeah, very it is. educational. Yeah. <laughs> Back to theme, Dylan. Very well done. Back to theme. Back to theme. Um, and uh, so you grew up in Naruma in New South I did. Wales. I did. And, and I mean, were you aware of sort of radio growing up and that sort of thing? Where did you go for your musical tips and, and stuff like that? That's a really good question. There used to be a um, music journalist called, well, he's still alive, called Bernard Zule, mm. and he used to write for the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and I often used to uh, look at what he would recommend. I mean, that's not really a thing anymore either. Things have changed so much, but that's where I would get a lot of stuff. Also, my parents were big ABC radio uh, listeners, um, and... Uh, so I'd, I'd listen to ABC, but also Triple J was kind. I I kind of listened to Triple J, but my main source, and I think we've discussed this the last time I was on here, was Rage. Yeah, Rage was the big one where you would discover a lot of things late at night. <laughs> And yeah, I so. actually put Rage on on Saturday night for the first time in ages, mm. and it was great. It was like Roland S. Howard yeah. and Mazzy Star, and I was like, oh, they used to do this more often. But yeah. you got a triple R for your musical tips, I suppose, as well. That's don't you? exactly right. I mean, now it's just about triple R for me. <laughs> well, I, they played Mazzy Star on our Stolen Orgy on Saturday, and I hadn't heard Mazzy Star for such a long time, and I could just remember the artwork and I yeah. can remember when I first heard mm. the song that they played and yes. it's just super interesting isn't it when music can be so evocative and that's and take the beauty you back of it. somewhere yeah and even you know um when you would like I remember taping things off the radio you'd have yeah. a cassette I mean this was a long time ago but my dad taught me how to do that so you'd catch a song that you liked and then you quickly press the record button and then you could play it for as long as you want to yeah. after that. Yeah, I mean, that's going back a while. I can't believe I'm – I mean, yeah, I'm 35, so that makes sense. Mm. It's, it's, I love that there's still that sense of um, uh, the ephemerality, I suppose, of radio and things yes. can just happen once, and even though you yes. can listen back. But I actually missed it on Saturday, but I heard Daniel Burt this morning talking yep. about um, uh, when John and Steve did their stolen orgy big extravaganza thing yes. on, on, on air and he played a track that Rodriguez had given him when he came here for a, a tour like yeah. 10 years ago or something and it was a never-released track mm. and they played that on Saturday night. So I still love those discoveries that you get on the station that you can't find anywhere else. Absolutely. And you have callers like Jeff from uni. Which uni is he? Yeah, at? Melbourne Uni. I mean... Amazing to have that just to talk to someone like that and and you can learn a lot yourself. I, like I was out there going, oh, very good point. That's very smart, you know. Like, yeah, it's a he really, is really smart. He's really smart. Yeah. He knows what. That's he's why talking he works about. at a university. I exactly. guess exactly. That's why we need to, um, 
you know. Keep them good and everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You did it. <laughs> like... I can feel it finish all of your sentences. <laughs> exactly. I like you. That's good. That's good. I don't normally do that. I you usually let in, people speak You can come to parties with me. <laughs> what she means is Take this. Take some numbers know? for me. Give out my number where appropriate. <laughs> the wingman. Excellent. Exactly. Quick. Let's go to something else. <laughs> um, you did a live to air here back in 2016, I think yes, it was. Yes, yep, I did. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, look, I think um, I don't I don't recall it being a disaster. Um, it was fun and I remember thinking it was a really big honour mm. um, because my album at the time, In a New State, it was the album of the week. Huge. And that was – I mean, it is always huge when that happens. Um, and so – I was, yeah, I felt really honoured. And then you went backstage to the performance space and there's all that, you know, all the colourful uh, handwritten scrawls on the on the walls and there were beers in the fridge and, yeah, I mean, it was it was a blast. I don't know if I played that well, but, you know, it's all it's all in the past now. I'm sure you did. There's video footage online. Yeah, I've I think, never still watched doing it. Around. <laughs> I've never watched it. Did you write your name on the wall? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I did. Or maybe I thought I wasn't worthy. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I've changed a lot in that time. <laughs> you know, I, I think it – I mean, I was at a live to air here recently and the, it is such good vibes to yeah. come in and see the station and you need to be a subscriber. Just rem- reminding you that it is radiothon, au is where you go to subscriber. You need to be a subscriber to come in and see those uh, events and be part of the crowd and it's just yeah it's a really that's an honor being to be able to part come of in. the crowd I've done it a few times now is it's so good <laughs> and it's and it's because a lot of the artists I've seen are probably mainly Melbourne based artists there's a real sense of um wow this is this is a cool thing to be part of because we all know triple r and um Everyone thinks it's rad, so yeah, it's it's a really good vibe. Who have you seen in there? Um, look, we're going back a while now. Uh, Carly can finish a sentence for you. <laughs> yeah, if you finish. Like. finish. <laughs> I, I, gonna, look. Uh, who did you see? No, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, we need a list in front. Yeah, of we need a list in front of me. Actually, maybe I saw a non-Melbourne. Maybe I saw chairlift or something like that. Yeah. No drag. Uh, what were they called? Drag. Drag, I was going to say Dragnet, but I don't know if they've... Um... Uh, oh, I know. D.D. Dumbo was one oh, of them. Oh, yeah. D.D. Dumbo. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So much. See, that this is going back a long time. Yeah. Um, but that was incredible. That was an incredible gig. It's a one-man band sort one of show, wasn't it? One-man band, was inc- yeah. and it was... It blew my freaking mind. Yeah. I, I think I filmed that one, actually, back in the day. That was huge. Well, there you go. Yeah. That was one of your many volunteer gigs here at Triple R, was filming... Filming live to air. You're very good at that. Well, thank you. You're a pro, pleasure. and now look at you. Now look at this. Well, then sometimes double cameras too. It wouldn't necessarily always just be one person, so you get the different yes. angles. Mm. I'm so Amazing. glad I thought of a band that I saw at the Triple R live performance space. Like I'm quite get, relieved. I was getting I was really sweating. awkward for you. I was I couldn't sweating. Help you out. I was just oh testing your commitment to the cause, really. That's no, but what seriously, that was all about. I came up with the goods, didn't I? So that's good. Thank <laughs> gosh for that. Did he dumb it? That was a great throwback, though, because I'd forgotten yeah. about that show. That was incredible. It was sick. 
Totally. I was actually thinking today, like, you know, songs and, and music has such a way of etching itself onto your memory. Yes. And I was thinking, like, when I – it's like, oh, when did I start listening to Triple R? I was around sort of late teens at school. And I yep. remember – I think I had it set as my phone alarm. And that Bill Callahan album, the Smog album, River Ain't Too Much to Love. Oh, I was love getting, that album. It's yeah. incredible, right? And yeah. I just remember Rock Bottom Riser coming on yes. a lot that those mornings where I was, like, freaking out about exams. Yeah. And I'd wake up to that and go, oh, that's a nice song. Yes. <laughs> and it takes that me back to that time song. place. Yeah. I'll tell you what else was a good song off that album. Uh, oh, do I feel like the mother oh, of the yeah. world. Yeah. Love that song. Yeah. I heard that for the first time on radio. That's what it does. And I had a mini disc player and a microphone attached to the mini disc because I used to record some songs when I was a teenager and I record like I played it out loud and recorded it on the mini disc player and then I had it in my So anyway, blah blah, another song another story. Another about song. Radio. Yep. <laughs> the power of radio. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming in. Super appreciative for taking Thank time you. out of your day to thanks come in. Thank you so much for asking me. Absolute it's, pleasure. It is such a pleasure and I wish Triple R all the best for the Radiothon and um, I am a big supporter of this station. And everyone should be. And just lastly, are you playing anywhere soon? Can people catch you? Um, Well, actually, good question. I'm part of a really cool tour. Um, A lot of of bands that have been uh, album of the week recently, there's Punko um, and Workhorse and a bunch of other bands, and we're travelling through um, the South Australian desert and through to Broken Hill and Silverton, and it's called Half Strange Tour. Um, And so that's coming up. In the at the end of September and goes oh, for a couple of weeks. So you yeah. really different sounds too. The different artists. I know. I mean, I think each night will be kind of curated to suit whatever kind of yeah. sound is is uh, happening. But uh, yeah, so that will be really fun. And I mean, both those that Workout Horse album and that Punko Punko album were some of my favourite albums from last year. The Punko yeah. was so, such good fun. I mean. It's incredible, and I discovered it on Triple R. That's great. I yeah. think we spoke to Workhorse back in the day when that – it was the album around the single or something like that, yeah. also an incredible release, that one too. So. Yes, incredible. Sounds so. like so much fun. It's going to be fun, um, and I think it's sponsored by Heaps Normal, so there's no – just no drinking, just um, – Sober event. Excellent. No, I don't know about that. I certainly will be, but, you know, Heaps Normal are sponsoring it, so that's great. That's fun. Thanks so much. Um, RRR.org.au is where you go to subscribe. Emma Rusick, pleasure having you in the studio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's The Grapevine, a weekly current affairs radio show putting local issues in a global context. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoyed the show and if you have any feedback or would like to connect, hit us up via the Triple R website.